Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, this episode for IEEE uh, block, or, uh, Blockchain and AI, uh, we're continuing that series. We have an international guest today uh, joining us from Buenos Aires, Argentina. We have Diego Kaminker, uh, who is the affiliate director for HL7 International and owns uh, his own business, Kern IT, as well as Diego has uh, is also a fellow podcaster. So been on the air from Argentina. He operates a podcast exploring healthcare interoperability. Uh, welcome today, Diego. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me here. Pleasure. Definitely. Looks like uh, it's getting dark there. Is that what I'm seeing where you're at? Yes, it's getting dark. It's uh, 8.20 8, in the afternoon. It's just getting dark because it's uh, almost summer. here, So it gets dark at 8-ish. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're on the opposite side of the world. So maybe I should come down there and get some summer because I'm just kind of entering into to the winter this months here. This is the moment when you want to be here. Uh-huh. I think, you know, that would be optimum. If I could spend the summers in North America and the, and the winters down in South America, I think I would just love that. Yes. It, it, you will lose the snow. But... Yeah. I, I'm not too happy about the snow anymore. I'm here in Colorado, and people always brand Colorado as cold, but we're actually kind of in a desert. So when the sun's out, it's so clear that it's warm, or it's clear, so it's warm when, as soon as the sun's out. We just get the very big shift of temperature from day to night. As soon as the sun goes out, it gets cold. You know, uh, atmosphere's thin, so the heat dissipates quick. But anyway, we get that kind of, that, that back and forth, uh, very, you know, if it gets cloudy, it's cold. Or if you go up in elevation, you also get the cold. But, um, you know, for the most part, I don't do too much elevation stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got to where you're at. Well, I, I began working in, in healthcare interoperability maybe 20 years ago. And I got involved because some big hospitals here want to integrate uh, diverse systems into one uh, big EHR. So one of the the problems in healthcare is that systems are disjoint and you need to use the patient as your interoperability vehicle. So you you got your patient and the patient has some papers and you, the pa patient goes from one place to the other and you are relying on the patient for information. And it's wrong. And it's has been a long way from H7 also try to solve this problem. And the problem doesn't end when you want to integrate things inside of a hospital. 
because you have a, a lot of systems in the hospital. You have billing, you have uh, labs, you have imaging, you have the, the EHR, what the, the physicians use, uh, you have the hospital system managing the, the beds. Um, imagine hundreds of systems and they have to work together. And this is worse when you have two hospitals and they want to exchange information between them or, or a hospital network or three hospitals network or a province mm -hmm. or a country or when you want to go from one country to the other and you want the physician in the second country to see what they have done to you in the first country and this may seem a little strange or odd but now in covid days it's daily we want to know who is immunized and who is not. We want to know who has antibodies and who is not. Mm -hmm. We want to know who was ill and who wasn't. And we want to know if you have any problems before entering a country. Yeah. So this, that was something in my day job, usually from the, for the last 20 years, now is something that everyone wants to have. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a break here, hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with our international uh, guest from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Diego Kaminker, uh, who is the affiliate director of HL7 International. So before the break, you were talking about uh, you know your progression of getting to what you work with daily, the hospitals. Um, and uh, I kind of wanted you to expound on HL7. Now, what is that? And uh, what does that mean, your role with what you're working with? So HS7 is a, an organization that creates standards. And it creates standards for exchanging healthcare information. So we don't create the products that exchange information. The industry creates the products that exchange information. Which we are just a place where everybody sits in a table and discuss how this information will look like and what is needed. And mainly there are three dimensions. One is the structure of what you are exchanging. So it's an XML file, it's a JSON file, which are the, the elements in this JSON or XML that you want to exchange. And then there's something very important, which is called terminology. So some of these elements that you are exchanging are coded elements like male and female, or gender, or uh, yes or no, or an answer. Mm -hmm. So how do you tell yes? You say yes, you say one, you say 45, 
how do you say male? M or plus or one or zero. Mm -hmm. So this kind of stuff should be understood. And this is just the beginning. I'm just giving you very small examples. What happens with diagnosis? How do I define diabetes? What is the code for that? Who manage these codes? And the other issue is workflow. When are we exchanging this information? Because it's not the same doing it after the patient is gone than just in time, for instance. So the combination of workflow, structure, and terminology gives us the level of interoperability we are looking for. And I'm forgetting security, mm -hmm. which it was not uh, in our front interested usually, but I think because in the past you were safe if you were inside of the hospital. Speaking about uh, the, it, everything was wired. So if you, you, you didn't have access to the outside world when you were inside, but now that this has blown up, we don't have any security anywhere. Because you have your phone. That you sounded really dangerous. That con that what you just said there. Um, so the industry has moved on from wired inside the hospital to wireless across the internet, and still operates the same. It it is no. I, I'm not. I'm not stating that it's the same. I'm stating that the healthcare industry in informatics is very slow. Mm -hmm. And it's changing, and, it, and we are getting these concepts in our standards uh, as something that is also of interest. In the past, there was no mention, no mention about security. It, it, not, it was not that there was no security in the implementation. It mm -hmm. was that it's not mentioned in the standards, and you have to do it on your own. Gotcha. What we are doing now is to getting that into the standard itself trying to enforce it, or at least to recommend the use of certain techniques in the standard themselves. So and when we're looking at security, we're also talking about the hiding and the obfuscation or the concealing or the separation of data content within the record itself. There are lots of uh, regulations on that. One is called IPA in the States, mm -hmm. and every country has its own regulation on that. But it's not part of our standards, other regulation. Okay. And some of the regulations, for instance, states that you need to encrypt your data at rest or in movement. So you need to have your information encrypted when it travels from one place to another, or even it forces you to encrypt your information when it is uh, in your storage. Or maybe some of the countries mandate the separation of the demographic data of the patient from the clinical content. So you have to have a, a fake patient ID in the clinical content part. And the, in some place you relate the, the fake clinical ID with the actual ID, but they never, they, they, if they get the clinical data, they don't know who it belongs to. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you want to use this information for research, you need to de-identify your information, which means remove any 
kind of uh, information that can tell you who the patient is exactly. And you may think that that should be only the patient identifier that the hospital uses or the birth date or the name of the patient or maybe the driver license, but it's more deep than that. For instance, what happens if we share the zip code? You may tell me, okay, zip code is a lot of people lives in the same zip code, but not always. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are in a place where you are only five mm-hmm. <laughs> in a zip code or 10. In my country, it happens. So it will be easy to know who is the person with uh, 20 years in this zip code. And you can rebuild, you can re-identify the patient. So there are a lot of stuff going on. It's not part of what we are focused on. We focus on the structure of the information on the the actual data that is exchanged. What is a patient? What are the attributes of a patient? What is a lab result? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a there's a big piece of privacy in there too, where you're you're addressing when you talk about which pieces of information can be together, what has to be removed for a set. That's more about there the is, privacy. There aspects. is a lot of of work on that too, and there are ways of. The, what we focus on is on getting some way to express these privacy concerns of patients and the fact that they want to share some parts of the rec- of the records for some uses and they don't want to share other parts of the record for some other uses. For instance, you want to share all your information with your uh, general practitioner, your, the, the, the physician that is in charge of your health usually, but you may want to not show these records to your specialist in nutrition, for instance, or mm-hmm. maybe you have some mental issues or sexual issues, and you want to keep those out of scope for anyone but the physician that is treating you on those specific issues. So it's it's very difficult. and. The other thing is that the privacy and the consent of the patient about the information may change in time. So you may not block or unblock the information forever. It's not part of the information itself, but it's related to the information. I'm not sure if I explained myself correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let me let's let's break here. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. But this is interesting because a lot of people will understand the different pieces of the data, but the relations you're explaining are very valuable. Be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. 
Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today uh, with Diego Kaminker from uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, and uh, before the break, we were talking about kind of the, the division of information in a health record, a digital health record, and all the pieces involved with it and how that relates to individual privacy and, and the security of them was kind of where we were heading to. Um, now, I had a question, just thought about why we're, why we are on break. If we come look at all the different things that could go wrong with me, like medical conditions, are all of those conditions identified in with categories or is there like textual information that goes into some places? Well, that's a good question. Uh, there is uh, a tension between uh, text-based information and coded information. And depending on which country you are and with, uh, which, uh, which is the custom of the, of the practitioners of the medical people, they used to just use text and no structure around mm -hmm. the text. Or in some places you have a very powerful structure and, and guidelines on how to uh, report. For instance, let's take radiology or uh, pathology. You, if, if you have seen a, a radiology report or a pathology report, they have sections. Mm -hmm. And these sections have uh, free text, but they also have may have coded elements because some parts of the report may include coded elements to make the, them easy to statify. So for instance, in anatomic pathology, you have the morphology and topology of the tumor, which is where it is located and what it, is look, what it looks like or how, how, how pathogenic is. So there are some, some things that are better if they are uh, discrete instead of uh, putting text. And one of the areas of artificial, artificial intelligence that are involved into this is how to get this free text and transforming it into coded information. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting area of research because the what, what evolved very well was the capability of uh, speaking and uh, the computer will take your voice and transform that into text, speech to text. And that's okay because it allows you to uh, create text without writing, which is something the physicians appreciate a lot, especially the radiologists. But the other point is how to get this text into information. Mm -hmm. And that's a uh, that's an, a nice area for, for artificial intelligence too. I, I, I even saw a product that you, it, it, it will hear what the physician is discussing with the patient and will create a transcript for the physician. So the physician has, not, doesn't need to, to write what he's discussing or she's discussing with the patient. Because one of the problems of using EHRs is that the physician is looking at the screen instead of, uh, of looking at the patient. And if you, are, if you are in a physician visit, you want the physician to look at you. Mm -hmm. 
and, and listen to you and not looking to the computer. Even for me, which I'm, I'm working on this, when I'm going to the physician, I want the physician to look at me. Yeah. So <laughs> is, the, is the effort to kind of eventually code everything and get away from text? I think that the, the, that's a, a bad approach. Uh, not because you speak about it, it's because I, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And it creates a lot of uh, resistance to change from the physician. And you want them to be able to express what they want to say. And, the, you, and knowing all those categories sounds like a lot of administrative work they would have to do. Yes, if you if you limit the, their ability to express themselves and only put the categories, you are losing information mm-hmm. because you need to record what the physician thinks about the patient. Yeah, it's very important. So, so now, ter- now if we look at the digestion of that information um, downstream, uh, who uses it once the fish, physician puts it in? It's more valuable downstream to have it categorized. Is that what I'm understanding? And that's why you want to have that translation? Yes. The problem is that we want to count. We want to know what happens. We want to know in, uh, how many patients has this disease and how many. And you've seen that in the COVID crisis. What is the, the most seen uh, site in the world? The Sean Hopkins uh, statistics about the COVID and how many cases in each country, et cetera. So we want to know how many of everything. Mm-hmm. So that's because we learn from that and we base our policies on knowing how many people has this disease or the other and how many evolved correctly. And you may even be paid on how your population at, uh, that you have in charge is evolving. So that's called a clinical measure. So in order to measure, it's not enough with text. You want to know if this patient has diabetes or not, and how, which is the value of the hemoglobin like uh, this date compared to the other months to see if it's controlled. So values and discrete values are very important. Mm-hmm. So there is a tension and you need both. You need the text and you need some coded elements to succeed. Yeah, it's like we have a, an opposition here, though, in the value of that data for everybody to see because they want to know who has COVID. But yet the individual rights to privacy say that I have control over that. So how do you make that kind of cross? You know, a lot of a lot of the guests under on this series have talked about using blockchain for that and the separation of, of those those different aspects. The problem is that the measures are on quantities mm-hmm. so we are not talking about you it's about we had a hundred thousand patients on this disease and 20 percent of them are good or or they are they are improving or not and i i don't think this will impact in privacy uh, i think that individual records will the, the, the sharing of individual records without permission or the misuse of individual records mm-hmm. impact on privacy. I think that grouped records uh, for epidemiological reasons 
are part of what we need as a society to live. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know how many cases of each disease, we don't know if we want to treat them or not. So that's an, an interest of any state in the world to know how the population is. We, we cannot live in, in civilization if we don't have that. That's my own opinion. So you think that's separate from the record, though? Because, I mean, if we had to examine 100,000 records to find out how what percentage of them had COVID, we have to have access to 100,000 records. That's correct. And that's 100,000 people's that privacy that you might be construed as violating. Depend, it depends on how you implement it. Because if you ask the hospital to calculate its own measure on their record, Mm -hmm. You don't need to have the, rec the actual records, or if you send just uh, the, you don't need the actual patient identification to have the, the, the condition counted. So you may send a de-identified patient with only the attributes you need to make this information useful. Like for instance, instead of sending the birth date, you send just the year of birth. Because with the birth date and the gender and some other data, you can re-identify. So I, I understand your concern, but I think there are techniques that allows us to exchange the information for public health uh, interest and still respect the privacy and the confidentiality of the record. The other way is to make their, the, 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 the hospitals or providers to measure themselves. Mm -hmm. so you exchange the measure and teach them how to measure. And there's a standard in H7 to define how to write the measures and how to calculate the measure, which is called CQL, mm -hmm. clinical quality language. Yeah. So you can, you can ask the hospital, okay, with your population, calculate this. And I don't need the, the actual individual data. I need the calculation. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. And the other way is to get the information de-identified and do the calculation. And if you are using the de-identify information, you are not breaking the patient confidentiality or safety. And the same happens. I'm, I'm working on a project of, about uh, adverse events of uh, immunization. Mm -hmm. And you have to report any case of uh, adverse events of immunization because we want to know if the vaccines are working or if they are causing any damage. Mm -hmm. And we don't need the actual name of the patient or we just want to know where the patient were and which vaccine was used and what was the problem. So you can do public health without knowing the patient name and identifier yes you can yeah well, it's been a, a, an interesting talk it's an area i'm not as as familiar with so you definitely have helped me we we'd looked at several times at the hl7 um in in terms of how does that mesh with some of the 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 smart contracts and blockchain how do you implement it into it uh and i, I know that's not your area of expertise so i won't you know bring bring in the discussion in that area but uh i think there's there's definitely a um a path here for for using 
blockchain and impl- and integrating with uh, you know this standard to say it's very modularizable into the ability to to have that balance of protecting the inf- information on one person's record in their control and only letting pieces that, of it out. Uh, even if I'm not, even when I'm not an expert, I think that if, if the patient is in charge mm-hmm. of the record, it may be useful. But in our industry worldwide, is that's not always the case. Yeah, the record is managed by the provider. That yeah. we you have right to see the record. You have right to maybe prohibit the provider to share it. You have right to edit the record if you think something is wrong. And I'm talking about the law here, at least. So our law. And several several laws around the world about uh, healthcare information. It's not that you are in charge of the record because, as a patient, you cannot make sure that the record is okay. You have you you don't have the storage mm-hmm. on your own to protect your record. The record yeah. is in the wrong. And that it's accurate as well. Yes, you don't know maybe. Mm-hmm. So you can you can sometimes you have the right to say to the provider, okay, this is wrong, and I want that to change because this is not right about me. Yeah, that is right. You can you can do that, and it's mandated. Yeah. And you can also tell the provider, I don't want you to share my information with no one. For instance, there's a, this uh, tension usually in the shared DHR projects that I've been involved with on how to make the patient uh, decide whether they want to be in the project or not. So you have this big shared EHR that you want any any provider, any physician in your country to see your record if you want, if you go from one physician to the other. Yeah. Well, let's, so uh, we're, kind of, we're kind of reaching the end of our, our time here, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to reach out to our audience and and let them know uh, how they can get involved with what you're doing. Uh, give them the the URL for your podcast so they can listen if they're interested uh, and any other things that you might uh, want uh, a shout out to go for our audience. So the the podcast is available in, in Spotify and it's called Exploring Healthcare Interoperability. I'm sure you will find it and make it available for our, your listeners. We've been, we created two chapters uh, so far, one about uh, Ed Hammond, which is uh, uh, our, one of the founders of HL7 25 years ago or 30. And he's working with me in the podcast. And the other one with uh, some false wind from, from Brazil. And we are planning to create more chapters as we go along with some other countries to see how they apply uh, standards in their country to improve the sharing of uh, healthcare uh, records and healthcare as uh, for the population. All right. Well, thank thank you for joining today. It's been a pleasure, and uh, you have a good one. Thank you very much. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. 
join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.